Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. I don't have any special intentions in the inbox today, but I do have an intention to pray for. Uh, there's a young man in one of the Telegram channels that uh, sees the Daily Decade frequently circulated, and he is being obliged by his family to get one of the COVID vaccines. This is against his will, but he is apparently in a situation where he cannot resist it. Uh, and uh, he is reluctant. He doesn't want to, for, I think, reasons that should be all too obvious. Now, I don't post this thing on YouTube so I don't, or any other platform that uh, is controlling the information on it. Uh, so I don't, I'm not afraid to say that uh, this is absolutely something that no believing Christian should allow to be injected into them under any circumstances, whatever. Uh, but unfortunately, he's being, it seems, based on the accounts, that he's being obliged to get the devil's brew. And so I want to pray for him. Um, his name is E. Because I don't know, his, his name is spelled in Gaelic on the, uh, on the Telegram chat, but I don't know whether that's just a Gaelic spelling of his Christian name or not, and I don't want to be responsible for doxing him or um, betraying his privacy or anything like that. So uh, his name is E, and he is being obliged to uh, get this terrible thing uh, by his family who have been uh, severely misled, clearly, uh, by everyone in their lives who are supposed to be informing them for their their better health and, and for their well-being, uh, they have really suffered a tremendous, tremendous betrayal on the part of those whom they are supposed to be able to trust. And the result of this is that they may be doing a great deal of harm to this young man whom they care about very much, I'm sure. And I want to, so I want to pray for him, and I want to pray for his family, and I want to pray for everybody who's in a similar situation as well. There are a lot of very decent people out there who are severely misled because they are doing what decent people do. They are trusting the authorities in their lives who are supposed to have their best interest at heart. And true Israelites in whom there is no guile that they may be, they do not see the evil and nefarious nature of the authorities which rule over us. Uh, for some reason they cannot. We as Christians are called to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And unfortunately, the vast majority of people really have not got the wisest serpents apart now. So, and they're suffering as a result. It's not their fault, and they really do need our prayers. And I hope that all of you pray for these sorts of people on a regular basis, the so-called normies. And I want to pray for E and for his family, and particularly that they will have their eyes open and he'll be spared this terrible thing and be able to resist long enough for them to see how dangerous it is uh, and how much danger they're putting him in uh, for this quasi-religious belief that has been cultivated in this thing. Anyway, that's my rant. I don't mean to go into... I don't like to distract with uh, politics and current affairs, but unfortunately this is something that affects us directly as Christians, and we cannot escape it. So I want to pray for him. And if you have a special intention, if you have, and this is any intention at all, uh, write that in to requests at protonmail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. And uh, you get all of us, everybody in the audience here, to pray for you.
So for today, uh, let's go ahead and get your rosaries, if you have them. If you're in the car like me, you can have the rosary on your person and actually still gain all the indulgences attached to the rosary. That's a an indulgence that antedates uh, the current, uh, what is it called, Indicuridon? Uh, it's the, the Greek name for the for what used to be called the Recolta. Uh, there is an indulgence that's been preserved from before the Vatican Council uh, that still grants an indulgence on the rosary for those that have it on their person while they're driving and saying the rosary. So don't be afraid to pray in the car and take your rosary on the road. For now, let's go ahead and turn our hearts and minds to God and the Holy Rosary and our Blessed Mother and pray for E uh, and his escape from this uh, terrible fate that his uh, unfortunately misled family are leading him into. Today is, what's today? Today's Thursday, so we're going to pray in English. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, 
Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, weeping and mourning from this veil of tears. Turn, then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us. And after this, our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O Clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Oliver Plunkett and St. Thomas Becket, who were martyred because those who martyred you were misled, were taught to walk in error by those whom they should have trusted. We humbly beg thy intercession on behalf of the servant of God, me, who now has, against his will, been obliged to risk his life because those who care for him have been like, likewise misled by those whom they should trust to lead them. Guard and protect him. Watch over him and intercede on his behalf before the throne of God, O ye holy martyrs, that he might be spared any evil effect, and that the eyes of those who have been misled to bring him to this place might have their eyes opened by the grace of God and see clearly the evil which they now espouse and which they now attempt to force on one whom they love. Approach the throne of God for us, O holy martyrs, who are most beloved in the eyes of that same God. For the death for the death of his saints is holy in the eyes of God. And intercede and protect this young man. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the true physician, who liveth and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our struggles against friend and foe alike, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, 
have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, there's two saints that uh, really bear looking into a little bit. If you don't know anything about St. Oliver Plunkett, I have mentioned him before. I made the mistake of calling him Joseph Plunkett. I confused him with the great Irish Republican and poet, Joseph Mary Plunkett. Uh, I do not know that the two of them are related in any way, but Oliver Plunkett was a uh, martyr of uh, the Cromwellian uh, yoke in Ireland. And, uh, of course, Thomas Becket. I think we all know who St. Thomas Becket was killed on the orders, or rather killed on the supposed orders of uh, Henry II of England. He didn't actually give the order, his knights just interpreted it that way, and they took his order and did malice with it, put him in quite a spot, and he was deeply regretful that he had uh, had the angry outburst that resulted in St. Thomas's martyrdom, not the least of which is because the last thing he needed was a martyr. Uh, against him <laughs> when his struggle was with the church <laughs> at the time. Uh, but, you know, throughout history there have been these instances in which the state has become a deeply evil and oppressive force against the Holy Church and her mission here on earth. Uh, it is, in fact, I would say the exception rather than the rule that uh, what the Easterns called Symphonia existed between uh, the state and the church. And we talk about the separation of church and state and how these two things shouldn't really be separated, that they're not actually separate categories, that they should be working in tandem with one another. And to a degree that's true. Uh, you don't really have two categories, church and state. Usually you should have a moral state which inevitably encompasses and also answers to the Holy Church. That's the ideal situation. But uh, the reality on the ground is that the agents of the state often set themselves up as enemies of the Church and frequently not her friends. And uh, we are in a situation now where that's unfortunately happening again. And uh, we just have to do what we have always done whenever this happens and uh, fight and resist and uh, every Christian way available to us, and the church is very clear on what those ways are. I'm not going to go all into all of that now. After all, I'm not here to do politics. Um, in fact, one of the things I wanted to talk about today before I found out about what was going on with this young man that uh, I asked all of you to pray for is a discussion of how easy it is to get distracted by everything that's going on in the world and all the news and all of that. The news out of the Vatican, news out of uh, about government, news about the United States government, which seems to concern everybody in the world. I don't really understand why, but uh, well, I do understand why. It's, it's quite reasonable. It just isn't wrong. Uh, all of that can serve as a distraction to us for a couple of reasons. The first one is that the greater our anxiety about this world, the less time and energy we have to devote to our salvation and to our betterment. The second one is related to this, and that is that the more that we worry about the world, politics, culture, society, all of these things, the more focused we are on the problems of the day 
This doesn't mean that we don't stand up and fight against evil, but the more concerned we are with the problems of the day, the more likely we are to adopt a belief that we can fix all of these problems, that we can have a solution for all of these problems, and that we can have a political and ideological means whereby to create uh, a perfect state. I was just actually discussing this with my wife this morning. There are an awful lot of people who say that but for the social policies and cultural policies of the United States government over the last 60 years, uh, which favor a variety, a broad variety of special interests, uh, the United States might become, might have been a much greater superpower. We could su survive entirely on our, our own produce, and uh, we wouldn't have the, this sort of parasite class that seems to exist in our society, uh, preventing us from spending money on more important things. And to a degree, that's true. And I, I said this, that, you know, those that say that are, are not wrong. You know, the idea that we could go to space if it weren't for the great society. Uh, yeah, yeah, that probably is true. The, the possibility of colonizing other planets and all of that, I think, is largely fanciful. But it is true that we could devote more time to those sorts of undertakings if we did not have the very broad and encompassing social welfare programs that we do have for such a large nation. Uh, that having been said, I say nation, really I mean polity. You know? uh, that having been said, though, we should be careful not to fall into the trap of imagining that if we just got rid of this demographic or that ideology, that we could build a sort of paradise where everything just worked. There is a tendency, especially in the ideologies that come out of the 19th and 20th century, really everything that has come since the French Revolution, there's a tendency to believe that a political ideology can create a more or less perfect situation. Now, of course, there's always going to be some difficulties. You can't create a situation in which there aren't obstacles. But at the same time, the idea that you can build anything resembling a paradise on Earth inevitably draws all of your focus to that. Because if that's possible, you should be completely dedicated to it. But our paradise is not on this Earth. We are taught as Christians, particularly as Catholics, that we are not citizens of this world, but strangers in a strange land, that we are sojourners, and we are persecuted as a result, both by society and by the demons. We are oppressed and persecuted and attacked constantly in order to turn us, us towards the world and away from God. This is what is meant when Christ tells us to let the dead bury their dead. This is why the angels at the tomb ask them why they seek the living among the dead. This is why the very same ask the question of men of Nazareth, why look you to the sky, to the clouds at the ascension? Why do you have your head in the clouds? It's almost literally what they ask. Why do you have your head in the clouds? There's work to be done, drawing people to the kingdom. <laughs> when the worldly Pharisees went to St. John the Baptist, I just read this fantastic little article that just circulated and posted on the Telegram channel. Uh, when the, uh, and you should, you should definitely go and, and give it a read. Uh, 
when the Pharisees, the worldly Pharisees, sought out John the Baptist, he scoffed at them and mockingly said, Ye generation of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? That's very acerbic. You know, and St. John and, and our blessed Lord both had a tendency to be very acerbic, very caustic when they encountered human beings who were too wrapped up in the world. You know, our Lord tells a very nasty joke about the Pharisees and how they strain a gnat but swallow a camel. He's calling them anal retentive. That's what that is. That's, that's what he's saying there. It's a joke about the Pharisees. He's mocking them. St. John says what he says to the Pharisees. And Christ, but all the humor goes away, but the, the acidity remains when St. Peter pulls Christ aside and tries to convince him to avoid the cross. Christ turns on Peter, and it says that turns on Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. That should be a, uh, we, we hear it, it's used frequently. Heck, Bishop Sheen works it into a joke even. Uh, that, that phrase, get behind me, Satan. It's so common. We, we think of it as common. But we really should pause to reflect on how significant that is. You know, and this is what it means to be childlike. When a, when a child hears, hears that and has some understanding of who Satan is and some understanding of who St. Peter is, that will create a disconnect. It's jarring to hear our Lord refer to the chief of the apostles as the devil with the title that's given to the devil. And the reason is because St. Peter, as our Lord explains, savors the things of man and not the things of God. And what that means is he's focused on the world. He's thinking in worldly terms. And he's focused on what is happening here. Uh, Bishop Sheen speculates that uh, because there were apparently Greeks that uh, came to Christ and asked him about his doctrine. And he speculates that the same asked him to return to Athens might have asked him to return to Athens, I should say, since he's speculating, and explained to him, you know, this is the home of the philosophers. We have Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and the academics, great minds, all of them, with great teachings. And you have the greatest teachings of all. Anyone can see that. Why don't you come here? This is where people value what you have to say, not this intellectual backwater among these goat herders, these backwards, ignorant, unwashed Jews. Come with us. Come to Athens. Bishop Shane speculates. And Christ's response to Peter is his response here, which is that the Son of Man did not come to earth for the benefit of the world but to overcome the world. This is why Christ says that the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Well, why is that? 
because this is where does where does a man rest his head? Where he's safe at home. You don't rest in the wilderness. You set up watches. Now we of course have lost this because all of us live in our comfortable little bean pods in our comfortable little cities with our comfortable little technologies that separate us from the harsh realities of life outside of us. We are very, very worldly in this regard. Christ says the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head because he does not belong to this world. Well, what does that say about us who are members? Remember the original meaning of member here when St. Paul talks about members we are all one body, and each of us members, parts of the body, the digits of the fingers, the arms, the legs, the head. Well, Christ is the head. We all make up individual members of the body of Christ. Well, if Christ is not of this world, and he goes and he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, else my servants would be fighting for me, but they are not. All of these things indicate to us that Christ does not belong here. And if we are members of his body, neither do we. It is modeled that the mission that Moses received from God to free the Israelites came to him when he was a stranger in a strange land. He had left the land of Goshen that had been given to his people. He had left the house of Pharaoh, where he had, by the providence of God, been protected, and he had gone into Midian. These are the same people that Gideon would later defeat in battle, the Midianites. Came to them, came to there, under the house of Jethro, a stranger in a strange land, and it was there that Moses truly became Moses. And the same thing is true of all of us. We become who God made us to be when we recognize that we are sojourners, we are travelers, we are in the wilderness, and we must set watch because we do not have anywhere to rest our heads while we wander in this earth. And so we must guard against the distractions of ideologies, of politics, of worldly concerns, whereby we come to these foolish beliefs that we can improve things, that we can make things perfect. We do battle with evil to set up and defend the kingdom of God. We cannot build the kingdom of God here on earth. Not only is that foolhardy, but it's actually evil. All of these people running around talking about building the heavenly kingdom on earth. All of these Kiliists, that's the term, these, these uh, people who want to bring about the reign of Christ by building a perfect society. There's plenty of them. Progressivists, the various shades of worldly not all Protestants, I don't, I don't mean to say that, but there is a very strong strain in various Protestant communities towards this. And increasingly you see it as well in the Catholic Church among Charismatics and the like. And uh, the Orthodox monk, Father Seraphim Rose, 
wrote against it in uh, in the Orthodox Church as well. It seems to always emanate from America. For some reason, America seems to have this problem. It, the shining city on the hill syndrome. And we, especially those of us that live in America, must be on guard against this because no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall into, you always have this trap that you can fall into. And the left almost exclusively is, is exclusively dominated by people like this because they're godless. Uh, and so they are much more easily swayed by the demonic elements that lead them to believe that they can build perfection. They can overcome imperfection uh, by eliminating those things which cause it. That's where all of this nonsense about gender and identity and all of that stuff comes from. That, that's where the entire drive to exterminate the white race comes from. Uh, because there are people on the left, uh, you don't have to believe in the great replacement stuff or any of that. You, all you have to do is just listen to these people. Uh, there are people in politics who explicitly state that that's their goal. They have a category, they call that category white, and they want to eliminate that category. It's, it's pretty clear. Anyone with eyes can see that. It's not a conspiracy theory or a racial thing. That's the way that they talk about it. Well, if you create a category and you want to call it, you can call it whatever you like. You can call it white, you can call it Christian, you can call it whatever. But Christian's not a category. Christian's a real category. There are real Christians. But you can create any category you want and slap a name on it and say, I want to exterminate that category because that will make the world a better place. And the idea that you can remove some category of person, some culture, some attitude, and make the world perfect through the elimination of that category is foolhardy. Now, there are certain things that a good Christian society suppresses. Promiscuity, sodomy, child abuse, which is what sodomites do. Uh, all of that, you can suppress evils and evil activities. But you recognize that even in the suppression of those evils, you cannot make the world a perfect place. The world is fallen and broken. There's nothing we can do about that. Our concern, and the reason why we suppress these things, is because our concern is with the next life. What does Our Lady say at Lourdes? She says to St. Bernadette, I cannot promise you happiness in this world, but in the other. And that is our focus as Christians, it's on the other. Now, I've had two very short uh, installments of this, now I find myself running over again, because I've, I've devolved into a rant. So I'll just put a neat little bow on all of this, and that is a simple prayer. Because my prayer today is that so that things like what's happening to the young man for whom we prayed at the beginning of this don't happen to people like him. In order that that might be, it is my deepest prayer that all of us should, by the grace of God and with his intercession and the protection of his saints, avoid distraction. Be drawn away from utopianism and keep our eyes ever fixed on heaven, on the crucified Christ, and remember his conquest of the world, that we might share in that conquest 
and thereby share in his heavenly kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.